Welcome to Forgotten Heroes, everybody. My name is Chris. I'm here with my good friend, Zach. And today we have a special guest that I will introduce in just a moment. But first off, how you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. I, I, well, I'll be honest, part of me wanted to wear, I don't know, something clown-related for this, but I felt it would also be inappropriate and also not pointless because nobody can see it. Well, you know, it's it, it's all about the mindset, really. Like, I did the same thing, but my latex suit doesn't fit me anymore. Put on a few pounds, so it doesn't exactly, it doesn't work. But here we, we are. are. I'm gonna, I don't believe that you have one of those, but that's okay. Oh, don't, I'm, I'm gonna give you proof later. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I don't need it. <laughs> but, uh... Welcome. This is Forgotten Heroes. We talk about everything comic books. We talk about the multiverse. Um, we're not going to talk too much about the multiverse this episode, um, as we are talking about Harley Quinn. With Harley Quinn, she's kind of a household name, um, especially with the recent DC movies coming out with Margot Robbie starring as Harley Quinn, uh, most of which she has been praised for. And honestly, I think she's a pretty good fit. Uh, but that being said, Harley Quinn doesn't have a lot of different versions of her. But there are some interesting, I don't want to say versions, but like narrative points that come with her character as far as like her obsession and people being obsessed with her and her teaming up. And, you know, it's also just Harley Quinn. And it couldn't have come at a better time because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, for those of you who don't know. Um, and it was just kind of lucky timing. Zach and I were kind of talking about this before we started recording that. It's very lucky that we're talking about Harley and her massive mental illnesses akin with the Joker and everything else that's involved that we're going to get into here in just a second. Um, but for this episode, we have a special guest. Um, we actually have with us today a mental health professional who is in the field of creative arts therapy, specializing in addictions and substance abuse counseling. Um, so I know what you're thinking. It doesn't really sound like she would necessarily be up Harley's Avenue. But that being said, um, she has much more knowledge about the mental health processes and how to diagnose as well as identify someone like Harley or some type of relationship like Harley and the Jokers. Um, and she's with us here today. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. How are you? Good. Very excited to have you on here. We are going to talk about Harley and we're going to have Sarah jumping in every now and then and discussing some of the plot points that we talk about and also diagnosing Harley. Um, but before we jump in, I want to throw a disclaimer at the brunt front of this episode, that since we're talking about Harley Quinn, if you're not familiar with her character, she has a very tumultuous and abusive relationship with the Joker. Um, so we are going to be talking about that a little bit. And if we have any listeners who've experienced stuff like this, I just want to throw a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. Um, we're not going to get too deep into the gory detail, but there are some important points that involve her and the Joker sort of coming to odds, as well as Harley, you know, being captured and going under some torture and things of that nature. Um, so we wanted to throw a trigger warning in there just so that you guys are aware. Um, and at the end of this episode, we're also going to have a plug um, for people who may be seeking help. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Before we go any further, anything you feel that I missed there, Zachary? I don't know why you full named me there, but no, you didn't uh, really miss anything. I would say just also to counter, not counteract, but just to go back on Harley being, having to be diagnosed, you know, obviously she started out as definitely not 
a mentally sound character in oh, yeah. her guise as Harley Quinn, I would say. But since her inception, she has definitely grown as a character and gone past some of the abuse of Joker. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. She, I would say in the comics, she's in a more stable relationship. I don't want to say she's married, but she's definitely dating you know, uh, Pamela Isley, a.k.a. Poison Ivy, a.k.a. currently just Ivy. But, um, you know, I, which is great because that's also, I believe their relationship is not really in the physical, it's in the emotional, mm-hmm. which is also good that even then, like every now and again, like, you know, she'll have conflicts with Joker. I think more recently she told Batman, like, either I kill him or you do it. But either way, I'm, he, he will die and obviously comic book status quo. He doesn't, but... The fact that she even went that far and, like, even when he tried to do it, his old, you know, the old style of, like, oh, I for- do you forgive me, you love me, I love you, she's like, nah, I ain't falling for that again. I'm done. <laughs> so it shows yeah. you how much she's grown. And all these alternate versions of her are really, they're all just Harley Quinn. That's, they're all her. There's really no, nothing different in the multiverse. Yeah, but it's. Yeah, like we said, like like I sort of mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's just as far as like with Harley, she has just like enough of an interesting arc that we felt we needed to talk about her. And, you know, it's also Harley. Like, she's awesome. As far as like what you mentioned with the character growth and everything like that, she is as far if you love character growth, if you love like somewhat of a anti-hero redemption arc, Harley's your girl. Like, Definitely. Because Harley is like, listen, I'm not Robin Banks. Yeah. But. I am not afraid to beat your head in. Oh, yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Yep. And then, Sarah, I think you could probably agree with this. I mean, I, as a comic book fan, don't like this. And I'm sure you, you know, learning about psychology and all this, definitely doesn't don't like this. When people go, I don't want a relationship like Harley and Joker, your immediate thought is, hell no. Like, clearly this person does not know what the hell they're talking about, right? Oh my God. No, when people say stuff like that, and I, I was hearing a lot of kind of comments like that circulating around, um, as the most recent, uh, Joker movie came out with Jared Leto and, uh, Margot Robbie. Um, like when that sort of like that that whole storyline kind of resurfaced in the, in the media, I saw a lot of different, like just even like memes and posts going around that were sort of of that effect of like, Oh, like this kind of commitment, this level of love. And I'm like sitting there going like, Oh my God, like, (laughs) no, no like, like I sincerely, sincerely hope that nothing like that ever happens to you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, it's not a relationship dynamic that anybody should be striving for. No. I mean, yeah, the Suicide Squad movie definitely is... That that relationship was a stereotypical relationship. And then the Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey movie is definitely the aftermath. And even her being like, nah, I'm done. Right. Like, what is she, the first thing she does is blow up Ace Chemicals, which is where they were both created. I'm like, yeah, that's a statement. <laughs> yeah yeah so a lot of that i think like was absolutely 
sort of the redemptive element of her character arc kind of concluding in sort of like this, this feminist kind of note of like badassery and like leaving your toxic abusive relationship. And, you know, so like, I, I want to look at her whole character in its entirety, like sort of at the conclusion of her relationship. Um, because she did, she did ultimately like break out of that, but like, at what cost? I think it's I think it's worth mm-hmm. mentioning just how much or how long she was with the Joker and just how much the two of them went through before she was finally kind of able to, um, I guess, break out of this emotional entrapment that she has with the Joker. Um, but it's also like, yeah, she's finally out of that but she's she's gone through so much she's she's seen some shit at this point you know and it's funny that you go ahead i don't mean to know no it just just took her a lot to to get to that spot where Mm -hmm. she is able to recognize it and i'll like go into this a little bit more in depth later but um that just goes along with her uh personality disorder which i think people have a tendency to misdiagnose her a lot yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. She definitely because I would say, and this is my opinion. I don't know what goes on in the DC office. Same thing goes for Marvel. <laughs> but a lot of times when you when they try to portray a character of any mental state, they're not. They don't do a good job. Perfect example. Perfect examples. All of Batman's Rogues Gallery. They oh. are all mental. I don't need to you call them disabilities, just mental states, but to the most extreme degree. Two Face, like that's not, yeah, you know, they they're like he represents. I don't even know what he's rep- supposed to represent because they're not doing it right. Yeah, he re- it, like I think the thought is that he represents a literal metaphor, but when you look at the actual sort of like clinical side of it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I actually I wanted to touch on something that Sarah said about how. Harley's arc kind of like ending with the Joker and sort of like that arc seemingly ending. And I would say that I agree with that. But at the same time, I think her arc also kind of begins when she breaks things off with the Joker, because then you really get like Harley is a standout character. and You really get to see sort of what she stands for versus the attention seeking sort of behavior um, that she's using all the time when she's involved with the Joker so it's, mm-hmm. it's it's a very interesting dynamic because, like, one thing ends, but at the same time, you get way more Harley and you get way more independence from her breaking out of that, like, really unhealthy, horrible mold with the Joker and just sort of going off and doing her own thing. Whether it's with, you know, even with the Suicide Squad, you just get more Harley. She's even forced into, like, the Suicide Squad being forced into that situation where she has a bomb implanted in her neck. And everything like that. And if she steps one toe out of line, like, pop, you're done. And you still get quality Harley in that moment because she's not overshadowed by the Joker. So, yeah. Not really overshadowed handy. by anybody. Yeah, not over- Yeah, that's true. She's a standout within the Suicide Squad and it's many, many, many participants. Yeah. Mm. She's, she is not overshadowed, mm. but I think her the characteristics of her personality um are still fundamentally there post joker. Yeah. Um 
Okay. Like her her main personality characteristics that kind of qualify her for this personality disorder are still there, and they're still very much um, visible, like in her in her storyline after she breaks up with the Joker. Yeah. And I don't know. Should I should I start talking about like what I would personally diagnose her with? I think let's get into a little bit more of a history of Harley. That okay. way the viewers have a little bit of a better idea of who she is if they're unfamiliar. Um, I think her story Which, is... Which, and I'll be honest, if you're unfamiliar with her... Yeah. Oh, that's uh, what you, I'm saying. You live under a rock? Like... <laughs> it's difficult not to be, especially with her, like, recent cinematic fame and stuff like that. But at right. the same time, I think it's still important to give a basis to the character before we delve into the nitty-gritty clinical diagnostic sense. Mm-hmm. So, Harleen Quinzel, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, she earned the title, damn it. Um... So, she was first created in Batman the Animated Series, which for, which she was supposed to be just, like, a one-off, really, in the show, or just stay in the show. She grew so popular, they're like, well, now we have to put her in the comics. Because everybody loved that, and they were like, we want more, of not just the show. And they're like, okay, well. So, it's the only one, I think, probably the only character that's ever been in an animated series by DC even in Marvel, that started there and then moved to yeah. the comics. Most characters first are in the comics, then go into the shows. Yeah. So, Dr. Quinzel, honor student, in, and she pursued criminal psychology, which she met the Joker, while she went undercover as a patient uh, to try to get more hands-on with the inmates of Arkham. And the doctors were like, uh, no no that's stupid you went again we told you no and she's like nah i don't care i did what i have to did what i wanted to mm-hmm. so they yeah. fired her. can i just jump in here for like a very brief second yeah. um, yes so like i don't care what branch of uh medical or mental health professional you you qualify for or find yourself in there's like two very very basic rules and principles that Harley Quinn breaks right off the bat. (laughs) Right off the bat. One of them being like, and these are things that they, like they drum into you from day one Mm -hmm. of any sort of psychology. Yeah. For very good reasons. Um, I, I can't think of a possible scenario where it would be as acceptable for, a mental health professional, a psychologist, psychiatrist, what have you, to impersonate somebody in an asylum. Mm-hmm. That, that, no. Not to mention Arkham Asylum. Like Arkham Asylum, yeah, no. It, it, it just, it wouldn't happen. Um, and then B, which I think is an even more vital role to recognize, you don't fall in love with your patients. <laughs> what the f- First off, at least one of those rules is pretty damn clear. And if, like, come on. It's just, right. And then the fact she fell in love with Joker or got swayed by his charisma, which I don't care who you are, that man probably has a lot of it. Um, you know, she, she broke him out. Like, he really needed help to get out of Arkham. It's like a revolving door over there. Yes, but especially <laughs> for him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pretty sure man has a key. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so 
you know, he, she went with him, and then she, he took her to the same chemical plant that he fell and then got, I don't want to say infected, but he became the Joker through her, didn't hesitate, just right in there. Um, and then, you know, her hair turned very pale, and, I mean, not her, sorry, not her hair, her skin turned very pale, and her hair either turned blue and red, or red and black, or whatever, or she dyed it, Who doesn't matter, she can do whatever she wants. With her hair, damn it. Um, so she was, you know, being a criminal now, being Harley Quinn. She actually was arrested by Black Canary. And then she was basically tortured by Amanda Waller. And she was pressed into service of the Suicide Squad. I would say the amount of times that she should have, her head should, should have exploded from Amanda Waller being pissed off at her is astounding. And the fact that Amanda Waller didn't do it is... Yeah. It's just a testament to who Harley Quinn is. Like, listen, you can't kill me. You know, freaking... Uh, the the, the whole... hair trigger that, like, Amanda Waller teases so heavily with yeah, the body like, implants yeah. of the Suicide Squad's neck is, like, very, is blurred very, very heavily when it comes to Harley. She just seems to, like, even within, like, this quote-unquote tough regimen of like villains who are supposed to just get stuff done for the government on suicide missions that nobody else is supposed to come back from, especially them. Like the fact that Harley comes back time and time again and just like usually ends up getting a little bit of the best of like Amanda Waller to the best effect that you could get the best of Amanda Waller other than being Batman. It's kind of astounding, honestly. Yeah, I mean, she listen, she's killed like oh, the the list of former members is is astounding and that she killed almost immediately a lot of these people. Like, it's not even funny. Oh yeah. Like it, it's, and then Harley is still there. So, you know, she, Harley actually escaped the, the suicide squad after the Joker disappeared. This is all roughly new 52 stuff for anybody who wants to go read this stuff. And even if you read like the beginning of a Harley solo series and if it's ever talked about her origins it can get muddled but that's that's origin stories in general a lot of the times you keep going with the same character the origin changes yeah and you know she actually found the joker's well just really his face when he got it surgically removed and then he died of i'm assuming an infection honestly because he also stapled it back on which is it's not sanitary, my friend. That is just gross. Yeah, not anywhere close. He had a weird obsession with cutting off people's faces for a while. Well, he cut off his own face to try to prove to Batman that I'm still the Joker, even on my face, just like you're Batman, even without your cowl. Yeah. Could have just worn makeup and tried being just a normal person, <laughs> Joker. I don't know. You had to cut off your face. He's got to go all in, dude. Yeah, I figured. Um, so she actually had a further mental breakdown and she took Deadshot and I'm not making this up uh, strapped him to a chair wanted to speak to him but not him she put the Joker's face on him and was talking to him like he was the Joker I'm like that Harley stop yeah here <laughs> we go nice. you want to weigh in on this as far as like replacing somebody's face so that you could talk to somebody Who's dead? Not, who's dead, essentially. So what? So Harley has found Joker's cut-off face, 
She's captured Deadshot, who was a part of the Suicide Squad. She puts the face on Deadshot and talks to him like he's Joker. And doesn't Deadshot, like, get into that, too? Like, he, yeah, he embodies that character he plays like, along right off the bat. Yeah, yep, and he, he doesn't try to be like what, the, like, what are you trying to get at? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh... I don't know. First off, Deadshot, you're you're an asshole for playing for playing along. Say that off the bat, Deadshot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, for him at that point, he thought that Harley was gonna kill him. If he yeah, that was probably thing. basically just probably survival instinct. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if there's much for me to like weigh in on that, other than like, yeah, that's that's really messed up. Messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Not healthy. I just, I, I haven't had a lot of experience in the way of, like, carving someone's face off of their body, so... I would hope not. <laughs> well, nobody carved it off of him. He got it surgically removed, but that's still not the point. The point I... is gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, so... I don't to touch anybody's, like, skin flap. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way to say that. There was no other way to say that. I was, I was wondering if there was any clinical side to that, but don't worry. We got plenty more to work with with Harley. Oh, yeah, so even after all of that, her mental state deteriorated even further. I, I want to say in a way reverting, like going in reverse. So she, so she was still, you know, dressed like Harley, mm -hmm. but she kept referring herself as Dr. Harley Quinzel. So she, so in a way, and again, I know DC was not handling this properly. They're like, okay, the Harley personality is now going to take a back seat, and the old her, the Dr. Quinzel, is going to come up front. Not, not really how that works, I would guess. But again, comic book. Unless, I would say unless they have, a, unless the actual doctor is writing this stuff, they're not going to get mental health truly proper. They had a, they had a whole thing about superheroes going to going to rehab called heroes in heroes in crisis i don't think that was handled properly either yeah yeah that, that that type of regression even though it may not be clinically accurate is still for the reader it's it's interesting for them to sort of like go along with you know it, it it's sort of it's you could boil it down to something simple as they're doing that to make her character more insane and quote unquote they're just a little bit more interesting but at the same time, that type of regression, you know, it, it, it seems it's not necessarily based in a clinical sense. You know, we're not here to debunk Harley, but at the same time, we do have somewhat of like a professional here with us who would probably say the same thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no. And then and what's worse is, you know, Joker. Oh, Joker's dead. As a combo reader, you know, he's not dead. He's going to come back status quo and all that stuff so yeah he comes back he's like harley i want to test your loyalty also i have a new face don't ask where i got it from uh, <laughs> well because at the same time somebody else had his face surgically implanted onto her face and she was calling herself joker's daughter yeah that's a whole other can of worms um so he's like harley I want to test to see to ask your loyalty. Go kill Batman. She's like, okay, Mister J. I, you know, I had to say that at least once this episode. <laughs> we and got, we met the quota. <laughs> met the quota. Never again. Um, <laughs> you know, she's she goes to, you know, trick Batman to trap him, and she's like, all right, Joker's back. I, you handle him. I, I want to be done. 
And Joker's like, oh, that wasn't the right answer. Kidnaps her, locks her up, apparently, and this is, it's not confirmed whether this is true or not, locked her up in a room with other corpses, with other skeletons, all of them dressed like her, right? And he's like, you're not the only one I have. You're not the first, you're not the last. Pretty sure that was just supposed to be a mind game to play with her. Like, but I wouldn't put it past Joker to have actually done something like that. And Harley doesn't know. So, you know, she escapes him, tries to tries to kill him. He's obviously like deuces by it's the Joker. Yeah. So she moves to Coney Island and Earl. finds out she's a oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why not? So finds out she's got a bounty on her head. And she's also the landlord of a apartment complex uh, of carnies, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's it's dubbed like a freak show, I think, within. That and Harley's show. like, I'll take it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So she finds out actually. So she actually gets Ivy to come live with her. Cute. We got a whole forest. Uh, I think she's got like two, three floors in her in her own apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ivy makes one of the floors a forest, cause why not? It's, it's, it's Ivy. I'm not gonna argue with her. Yeah. Finds out that the the bounty that was placed on her, she did in her sleep, because it was a revenge mission against herself. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's yeah, and that's not exaggerating. There's yeah. no. Sarah, do you want to weigh in on this? Yeah. <laughs> as far as like sleepwalking goals and putting a bounty on yourself, you know, that's that's not well, exactly. She doesn't like herself apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's just there, there's a lot, and like I I have so much like I. I want to wait till you guys are done to like really kind of at least done with the, with her history to really kind of like get into this because like I, I have I have a lot to say <laughs> I have a lot to say gotcha we got it <laughs> we'll wait till the end then so I'll try to make this quicker actually so she actually becomes friends with Power Girl uh, Supergirl from Earth Two. And, uh, you know, she tries to be like, hey, we're best, we're besties. And obviously, again, Power Girl's like, at some point, it's like, uh, no, we're not. Yeah, she ends up losing her memory, and Harley and her kind of tool around her a bit. Um, and when I say... With a guy named Red Tool. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I say tool around, <laughs> I mean, essentially, they go on missions. There's there's nothing more to it than that. Yeah. What I, what I will say, though, is, just as you guys are talking, notice the pattern in her behavior to like specifically to wherein she feels as though her relationships be them romantic or platonic mm-hmm. yeah. or uh, familial mm-hmm. all of her relationships have this same sort of pattern to wherein she thinks they are much more emotionally invested and intense than they really are. Yeah. So just like keep that thought in your back pocket and know that like every single relationship that she has is 
so, so, so prevalent and emotionally invested on her part. And she thinks it's mutual, but it's likely it's not. Unless you're up Poison Ivy, then it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Toward the end, toward toward the current runs, it becomes that way. At some point, it becomes yeah. No, this is mutual, truly. But everybody else, it's all one sided, really. Yeah, and even if it is mutual, like it's it, it is likely that Harley's feelings outweigh the other person's in terms of the depth and intensity, mm-hmm. or at least well, her perception of her own feelings. Yes, I would. I was gonna. That actually leads perfectly into the one time where her feelings for Ivy actually led her to try and get some help. Because in the comics, I mentioned earlier the rehab for superheroes it was called Sanctuary. It was supposed to be secret, like a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere that obviously leads to a underground bunker that's a lot bigger than it. Whatever. Superhero shenanigans. You know, and it was a lot of people there, like um, Lagoon Boy or Blue Jay. A, a lot of people that most readers don't really know who they are. Or they haven't really been around, you know, for a while. Even, like, Booster Gold was there. and Because of his previous adventure, he kind of lost his mind just a t- tiny bit. Not, not terribly, I guess. Mm-hmm. But... Don't blame him. Yeah. So... You know, she was there trying to get over her whole Joker deal. And then she, Ivy dies along with at least a dozen other people, right? Mm-hmm. So Harley goes to get revenge on the person that she thought was the killer. Uh, Chris, do you, you want to talk about that? Or do you think that's too big of a spoiler? Um... It's been like a year or two. So she thinks she ends up thinking that it's one person and it ends up being a completely different uh, sort of person who causes the explosion. And it's sort of through happenstance. But then this person who causes the explosion, they try to cover their tracks. It's investigated by the Justice League. And you sort of end up figuring out where it goes from from there. But essentially... um, Harley is one of the main suspects with the explosion because she's one of the few that actually survives. And she was technically not supposed to be there at the time. Exactly, yeah. So her her whereabouts and her surviving is very, very suspicious to the League. But uh, Batgirl actually ends up clearing her name. um, And through the end of that, they figure out that it was inadvertently caused by Wally West. Um, who and lost I'll, control of the Speed Force, yep. and then closed the loop through, like, through the Flash Speed Force bullshit, yep. which I, I don't like. Which we all know and love. Mm-hmm. I don't like how that kind of concluded, even how they concluded it. It's all good. We get Ivy back. How? Uh, the Green. Yeah. Listen, she regrew herself out of a rose. Who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Not going to argue with her. So, you know, Harley now is, I would say, a more, much better person. But even still, I actually recently read the new, newest run of her solo series. First thing that I saw, Harley talking to, like, 
two manifestations in her own mind of her classic self, like a classic outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's confronted by Gothamites who don't want her around because of the recent Joker war. And, and no, it's not a war of different Jokers. It's just Joker waging war against Gotham. And even even what the guy says, like I'm reading the text box and I see that it clearly changed. Like the outline is different. So clearly that's her, in her own mind. That's what the other two manifestations are trying to get her to, to think was what he just said. Or something like that. Which, again, not portrayed very well, in mm. my opinion. You know, she... You know, she suffers from hallucinations. Case in point, what I just said. Talking to two versions of herself that aren't there. That's a hallucination if ever I've seen one. Oh, yeah. And it's not even like, oh, she's just a normal person running around. No, she ha- she's very skilled in, I don't want to say martial arts, but just she's in some martial arts. And her unpredictability leads into that, you know, um, she's... She can keep up with Catwoman in terms of, like, gymnastics and jumping from rooftop to rooftop. And even because of the acid that she was dumped into, she's immune to almost all toxins. Yeah. Which is honestly, like, a pretty cool side effect. Like, it sucks that she fell in the vet. I wouldn't recommend it. But at the same time, as far <laughs> Don't as, Don't like, try it at home, people. Yeah, do not try that at home. As far as, far as like, side effects go versus, like, you know skin flaying off or losing hair or catching cancer. The fact that she's just like immune to this stuff from now on. Pretty cool. And uh, yeah, it's also cool that like she learns uh, pickpocketing from Catwoman. It's funny that you mentioned her with sort of like her gymnastics proficiency and sort of like comparing her to Catwoman. Um, You know, she's pretty stealthy, but she ends up picking some trips up from Catwoman, which I think is pretty cool. Um, They don't have like a very developed arc or they don't have like a lot of solo stuff. They run into each other every now and then, but she ends yeah, up picking up a thing or two, which I think yeah. is kind of cool. Which is dope. So, Sarah, now that we spoke about main Harley Quinn, we're going to get into other people, because I'm pretty sure at least one person, at least two people on this list might be worse than <laughs> Harley Quinn, than Miss Harley Quinn. But um, overall, what's your diagnosis? Okay, so... For Miss Harleen, I okay. So I think what everybody jumps to off the bat, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, these articles that were kind of circulating um, when uh, Suicide Squad and yeah, 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 yeah. So when that was kind of happening, a lot of these articles were being published uh, that were throwing around Stockholm syndrome a lot. And so basically in short, Stockholm syndrome is someone falling in love with their abductor or captor. Um, And so what that would imply, right, is that the Joker abducted Harley Quinn. But if we think about the history that we just sort of outlined, uh, Joker didn't abduct anybody, you know, as far as far as Harley Quinn is concerned, at least. Um, So that kind of fundamentally rules Stockholm Syndrome out because Harley Quinn can't fall in love with somebody that abducted her if he never even abducted her. So that kind of, like, rules that out. He's abusive, 100%, but it's not. He's an extraordinarily abusive partner. He did not, however, coerce her into coming with him anywhere. Like, everywhere that Harley Quinn followed the Joker was of her own fruition. Mm -hmm. Um. 
so that's why it doesn't actually technically qualify as Stockholm syndrome. Um, the other sort of uh, differential diagnosis that a lot of people throw around is um, hybristophilia, otherwise known as Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. And that's where um, somebody is feeling sort of pleasure or sexual arousal from watching somebody else commit a crime. Um, so although Harley does dress in like the sort of provocative manner, she clearly has this romantic relationship with the Joker, although that seems to be sort of emotionally based rather than sexually based. Um, there's no sort of really indication to say that her character derives pleasure from watching him commit heinous crimes. In fact, she joins, joins him most of the time. Um, yeah, she's an accomplice. Right, right, she's an accomplice to the crime. She's not watching it happen for her own viewing pleasure. Rather, she is fundamentally trying to win over his approval. Mm -hmm. um, which brings me to her actual diagnosis, which, can I get a drum roll? No. <laughs> okay, uh, she has histrionic personality disorder. Um, so... I uh, am going to sort of read that uh, right out of my DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. The fifth, hey, look at that. Yeah, the fifth edition. So the diagnostic criteria for histrionic personality disorder, a pervasive pattern of excessive emotionally and attention-seeking beginning early adulthood and present in variety of contexts, as indicated by five or more of the following. One is uncomfortable in situations in which he or she is not the center of attention. Two, interaction with others is often characterized by inappropriate, sexually seductive or provocative behavior. Three, displays rapidly shifting and shallow expressions of emotions. Four, consistently uses physical appearance to draw attention to self. Five, has a style of speech that is excessively impressionistic and lacking in detail. Six, shows self-dramatization theatrically and exaggerated expression of emotion. Seven, is suggestible, i.e. easily influenced by others or circumstances. Eight, considers relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. That's the diagnostic mm. criteria for histrionic personality disorder. And our friend in question here uh, happens to meet all eight of those criteria. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree to, to that. Um, so, Warner Brothers DC, I hope you're listening because here you go. We have your answer. <laughs> that in your book, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so this is a big it's a diagnostic manual, right? So this is what, uh, psychiatrists and psychologists, therapists, like any type of therapist has this book on their shelf. Um, well, you know, no diagnostic manual is going to be completely flawless in terms of, you know, accurately, uh, assessing a personality disorder or like, you know, what, what have you. Um, it's generally pretty spot on. And I think I, Harley Quinn qualifies for every single one of these. And I think 
those sort of alternative diagnoses that I suggested, like, like I said, a lot of people immediately jumped to Stockholm syndrome, but the Joker did not abduct her. He mm-hmm. did not take her anywhere. Mm-hmm. She went. And mm-hmm. her ultimate goal throughout her entire story arc is to gain his attention, to win his affections um, by any sort of means necessary. And there is a couple of different things that sort of go along with it. So we know that she's, you know, attention seeking, gregarious. Um, She is honestly very sociable, right? So like she engages in a lot of these like weird quippy sort of surface level conversations Um, But one of the key things for histrionic personality disorder, or HPD, um, is this sort of delusion that the relationship, be that platonic or romantic, is two-sided. Like, it's a parallel, you know, a a two-way street. But nine times out of ten, as we see, especially in her case, it's not. She feels things much more intensely for another human, for another person than that person feels for her. Um, So that's why she consistently allows herself to be put in these sort of abusive um, kind of horrible situations at the hands of the Joker, because she just desperately, desperately wants to win over his love and affection and attention Mm -hmm. by any sort of means necessary. So whether that is, um, being okay with the level of crime that she's committed, that he's committed, or you know, helping him in that, mm-hmm. um, really by by any means necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So there you go, folks. Not Stockholm syndrome. So you know, everybody who loves to pretend that they are a expert, expert, you're not. <laughs> you're debunked. You're not. <laughs> I mean, I also want to say, even on the DC wiki. Because I, I just looked into it. Uh, she's listed under abnormal disorders. All it says is Harley Quinn's obsession with the Joker caused her to go from a functional doctor to a dysfunctional abusive abuse criminal. Meanwhile, you got plenty of other people here that everything is actually is diagnosed. People are here diagnosed with a disorder like Two-Face and Firefly. She It's just like, yeah, she just went from a sane person to a crazy person. How and why and, like, they don't even diagnose her. Yeah, so this is actually really interesting because, like, okay, this kind of thing just doesn't develop overnight, right? So, actually, if you look at her origin story, this, uh, you truly start to see sort of elements of this personality disorder come out in her youth when she's at that high school party um, with her first boyfriend, Bernie, and they're talking, and he asks her the question, if you could kill any one person in this room, who would it be? And Har- and Harleen names Bonnie Harper, who has tormented Harleen in high school and said, if it was any one person, it would have been her. Mm-hmm. And she asks Bernie the same question. Okay. Who would you kill? And he said, Bonnie Harper. And she's okay. Why? And he goes, because she bothered you. And so right from that moment, she got a taste of that attention. She got Mm -hmm. a taste of acts of service being done for her, for her benefit. And therefore got a taste of that attention, got a taste of 
what it felt like to be cared for in that way, unconditionally, by someone else. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to note that she also gets that stuffed beaver from Bernie that she holds on to for, like, the majority of her character arc. There's a point where Joker actually burns down her apartment after they have that... And I forgot about the beaver. Yeah, and so he burns down her apartment. <laughs> the only thing that she saves from that apartment is that beaver from Bernie. So that there's, you know, that's a really, like, it seems like something that is somewhat, you know, normal. But at the same time, well, not normal in any sense, but like somewhat, you know, you, you're not supposed to save anything in a fire. But we all know that Harley's like, obviously. Harley's not going to listen to rules. Yeah, exactly. She's not going to make any quote-unquote sane decisions, even from the beginning, before she falls in the vat of acid. But the fact that she saves that is a huge testament to her HPD. So, yeah. Yeah, it just, it just with her craving that attention and remembering the attention that she once got from another individual when that was no longer being met by the Joker. Um, so just talking a little bit more about her sort of delusions um, or just like asking the question, why did no one notice this early on? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's because like, usually, first of all, the person with HPD is able to function at a high level and can generally be successful socially and at work without anybody really noticing the sort of pattern of behavior because it doesn't usually become obviously this pervasive um, but the central theme of the delusion is that another person is in love with you or is more in love with you than they actually are. And so for the Joker, uh, he fully takes advantage of that, right? And that is right. he would be an expert on, I would say, not being in a sound mind. So he probably looked at her and could almost tell immediately. Yeah, he sees through exactly. her disguise immediately when she disguises herself as a patient in Arkham from the get-go. He does. He's like, you're not who you say you are. He figures it out just like that. It's he does. And I want to actually ask you guys off the cuff, if you had to diagnose, and Chris, we talked about this a little bit before, mm -hmm. so... Maybe better to just ask Zach. Yeah, Zach, like, if, <laughs> you, if you had to diagnose the Joker right off the bat with some sort of personality disorder without looking it up, what would you say? Oh, that's a tall order. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me this. My immediate answer was going to be, oh, he's just fucked up. But, which <laughs> well, is... Well, that would be the that would be the thing that everybody, like, right? That's the, yeah. <laughs> everybody's yeah, just fucked up. Say, the general <laughs> answer is, oh, that boy fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. See, here's the thing. And I'm not going to be my... I, Again, I wanted to be a, be a smart ass and give you one answer, but it, I just realized it might be a spoiler for, for Chris because we spoke about some comics earlier and it's a big spoiler. But, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to be a smart ass, but Joker, I don't. Well, split personality is definitely not one of them because he does not have that. No. Um, I'm not. I'm not see I'm not sure because he's he's shown every everything from different you know key factors for different diagnoses to the fact that he could just be lying this entire time so I have no idea uh, other th other than your boy fucked up <laughs> I can't really give an answer because 
for all we know, as the reader, he could be lying this entire time and just go, well, people think I'm crazy. I'm just going to do whatever I want. So I couldn't tell you. So it's really complex, right? Because there, he does, and that's kind of the the difficult part in diagnosing anything, right? Is because symptoms can look like other shit. So, and there right. are a lot of different elements that become really difficult to piece together. Um, but the Joker, uh, textbook antisocial personality disorder textbook mm-hmm. um, so antisocial personality disorder uh failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors yep. uh, indicated repeated repeatedly performing acts that are grounds for arrest obviously he Check. qualifies for that yep. um <laughs> deceitfulness as indicated by repeated lying use of aliases or conning others for personal profit or pleasure yes Uh, impulsivity or failure to plan ahead uh (laughs) irritability and aggressiveness uh jason todd (laughs) as indicated by repeated physical fights or assaults reckless reckless disregard for the safety of others uh Consistent irresponsibility is indicated by repeated failure to sustain consistent work behavior or honorable or honor financial obligations. Wow, and speaking, he's making the money. He's just doing it illegally. Yep. 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 And uh, lastly, lack of remorse. Oh yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah. So yes, I would. So I would agree with that. But like you said, a lot of factors for a diagnosis could also be grounds for other to be diagnosed with something else so it's hard mm-hmm. especially with these guys and i feel bad i should say i feel bad honestly but i feel like there these next people might also have again i don't really want to diagnose them or say they definitely have it but i think they're also blinded to the bad parts of being Harley Quinn. Yeah. Because they form a gang for this for this woman. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that's where we sort of jump into... Oh, do you want to say anything before I move on there, Sarah? Yeah, just, just like... Okay, so with the Joker, in terms of, like, differential diagnosis and, like, you know, symptoms looking like other stuff, mm-hmm. which is true, like, you have just straight-up psychopathy, sociopathy, um, this social personality disorder. Like, it could be a few things, but the key thing with antisocial personality disorder is the deceit and the manipulation factor, mm-hmm. which are so key to his entire personality. Like he spends all like that. That's all he does is lie and manipulate people. Yep. Right. And, but I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, Harley Quinn is deceitful and manipulative as well just in a different way. And that is a key trait to her personality disorder being the histrionic personality disorder. Um, so she is also manipulative and controlling, uh, emotionally for their partner, um, by seductiveness on one level. And then on the other hand, displaying a really marked dependency on them. And so it's this sort of like weird dynamic. 
right? Because, like, she... I wouldn't say that she's conscious of the fact that she um, is so dependent on him and is so uh, seeking of his attention. She's right? definitely, because, not, she's definitely yeah. not aware of that. Yeah, I think anybody alive can say that, like, they've probably been in a situation where they have done or say or said something uh, for more attention than what they were previously getting, right? I think anybody walking on Earth has done something at some point for attention, right? So that doesn't automatically qualify you for histrionic personality disorder. What, mm-hmm. what sort of singles Harley Quinn out in that is um, she is unaware of just how bad it is. She does not. She doesn't realize that. She's yeah. not cognizant of um, how much attention she's is trying to to buy from him. Yeah, that's a really good point. <clears throat> yeah, and so a lot of the time, sort of like following along with that whole attention seeking um, theme, we move on to Harley's sort of gang of Harleys. So after she, because one was not enough. Yeah, exactly. Because we couldn't like we needed more, right? <laughs> So we move on to her getting past the Joker, sort of doing her own thing, and she's seeking to sort of clean up Brooklyn. She wants to do some good after everything that she's done to Joker. She talks about, I think in a panel, sort of focusing on karma and quote-unquote becoming spiritual, as she says it. And so she ends up forming the Gang of Harleys, um, which have a few members, uh, Shona Cho. Chaudhry, I think I'm saying that correct, who goes by Bali Quinn, uh, Carlita Alvarez, who is Carly Quinn, Hannah Borgman, who is Hannah Quinn, Antonia Moore, Harlem Quinn, Erica Zhang, Harley Queens, and Harvey <laughs> McPherson, Harvey Quinn. Oh my God. So Bali Quinn is the God. daughter of immigrants and actually owns a restaurant on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And she ends up joining the gang of Harleys out of frustration of dealing with the public. She's known to being a real spitfire, but that she also has like a very serious spiritual side. Um, so that is Bali Quinn for you. Carly- By the way, anybody who listening audience, don't play it. Should not be playing a drinking game with the amount of times we say the word Quinn. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so don't do that. You'll die of alcohol poisoning. Also, can I just like... The, the cultural implications with all of these names, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking dying. I yeah, can't. Like, yeah. Well, I, mean, they, I, <laughs> think, I think in this series, the writers just said, fuck it, double down. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. There, there's not a lot of information on the uh, members of the Gang of Harleys, and that's because I think they are rather tertiary. I mean, that's a significant – There's this is a significant arc, uh, but at the same time, they don't do too much to establish their character, so we're going to run through them quick. Just because Harley's involved, and it is significant, and a couple other characters do sort of get involved with it. Um, But yeah, like I said, Carly Quinn is actually from the Bronx. She is a talented fighter who grew up with brothers. Um, She's a math whiz, and she's a skilled sort of, like I said, fighter, but she's also very skilled in combat with other weapons, like knives and firearms and stuff of that nature. Um, Not exactly clear why she joined the gang, but it's most likely, based on what the information that we have on her due to her and Harley having the same ideologies, like to a T. Um, And she also gets seasick very easily, which is kind of funny. Uh, We also have Coach, who is a blind woman who sort of acts as the overseer for the gang. 
Um, so she was, a, it's kind of like an Oracle character. So she was in a car crash, which paralyzed her and took her vision on top of killing her parents. Uh, but she was left with an enormous fortune from her parents who were super wealthy and vowed to sort of do good and live again. And she uses that to sort of help the gang. And Coach actually tracks down Harley Quinn when she's kidnapped by someone who's obsessed by her, who I'm going to talk about in just a second, who goes by the name Harley Sin. So I'll talk about her in just a moment because she's kind of interesting too. We also have Hannah Quinn, who is the great niece of Cy Borgman, who Harley Quinn ran into when she was working at that assisted living facility. Uh, Cy Borgman was a Cold War hero who actually wanted her to help take down eight of his nemesis. Um, and that goes into a little bit of a different arc, so I won't touch too much on that. Uh, because Hannah Quinn was born in Connecticut, but eventually moves to Williamsburg and seeks to live up to Cy Borgman's legacy. And then we have the Harlem Harley, Antonia Moore, who is a brilliant student. She's like super, super smart, probably the smartest in the gang. She's looking to improve the conditions in Harlem. And she learned to defend herself from an early age and serves as a voice of sort of reason within the gang. She's very analytical. She's very practical. Um, after that, we have Harley Queens, Erica Zhang from Flushing. Uh, she's the only girl in her family of seven. She moved out at 17, rejecting her parents and sort of the culture that they wanted to constrain her in. And joins the gang almost immediately. I think she is indoctrinated as one of the first members, if not the first. And then we have Harvey Quinn, bit of a standout. The only male member, also known as Harvey McPherson. He had a tough life in Michigan where he grew up. He was constantly bullied and arrested. And he eventually ends up moving to Manhattan's west side and joins the gang to sort of prove himself. So there you go. That's a quick little rundown of the gang of Harleys. They have a really kind of interesting arc. With the next character that I'm going to move into, which is called Harley Sin, also known as Constance Brand. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, get out your 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 pencil and your and your notebook, because with the name alone, oh yeah, what, we got this, we got some interesting stuff to talk about with Constance. So, uh, like I said earlier, Constance is obsessed with Harley Quinn, and we'll get to why she is in just a moment. But as far as Constance origins goes. Uh, she's the daughter of a real estate billionaire. She never really fit in with the family that she had. She was pretty much raised by servants and people who worked out around the estate that she lived in. And her parents consistently tried to cover up her transgressions, her sort of acting out, killing the family dog, things of that nature. Uh, mm. But they couldn't really hide it when she burned down her school and killed a bunch of the students. I think she ends up killing like three to five, I think two around there. Uh, so <laughs> her parents in lovely sort of original fashion, decide to ship her to a private island. But on her way to the island, she gets sick of it and eventually kills the captain and returns home to blackmail her father. But after she blackmails her father, the stress of doing so actually ends up sort of killing her mother. Not sort of, it does kill her mother. Her mom dies. And it prompts her father, after a certain amount of time, to find another woman named Gina, who he takes up as his fiance. However, Gina and Harley Sin fall in love and vow to turn their lives around. But Gina actually ends up overdosing, and it starts a conflict with Gina's mother and Sin's father, which ends up with Gina's mother being killed by Sin, and then Sin returns to the streets. So she goes back to a little bit more of her rough-and-tumble origin after she finally does enough damage to completely ostracize her family. Uh, she then finds an ad for the gang of Harleys, but 
you didn't hear me mention her in the Gang of Harleys, did you? Because she doesn't make the cut. So, when she doesn't make the cut... For a good reason. For a very good reason. Yeah, because she's, you know, Harley Sin. The name itself sort of, like, speaks for itself. Uh, So she doesn't make the cut. She vows to destroy Harley and the entire gang. She hires a bunch of mercenaries with her father's money and dubs them the Syndicate. She then ends up kidnapping Harley through that measure and forces her to watch as she blows up the gang of Harleys on um, Shonda's, in Shonda's restaurant. So they all sort of meet there. Sin captures Harley and she watches, she forces Harley to watch them all get exploded and blown up, essentially. Um, However, they actually end up surviving unknown to Sin uh, and Sin takes Harley to the island that her parents were planning to ship her to. However, she makes it her own and dubs it the Island of Horrible Death. Yeah, a little bit on the nose there, huh? Mm-hmm. So after Coach sort of finds Harley's whereabouts and the gang goes to rescue her, Harley ends up making a deal to fight Sin one-on-one. And if Sin wins, she can lead the gang. However, if Harley wins... Sin will get the help that she needs and then can join the gang of Harleys, which I think is a really interesting deal because you're talking about Harley Quinn. And I think this is a bit of a pivotal moment for her. I think this is a standout moment for her as a leader of the gang, too, because she takes this moment and she recognizes that Sin, you know, could have a possibility and could bring something to the gang. But she's so unhinged that it might just be too much for the gang to handle. So she ends up, you know, making this deal like, hey, you got to get some help. And once you make some help, then we can talk about you joining us and helping us out with cleaning up Brooklyn, because that's their overall goal. Right. So they end up fighting mano y mano. Uh, However, Sin tries to cheat by pulling a knife on Harley. Same reason that she didn't want her to join the gang because she's sneaky. So that sort of conflict ensues. And then Harley ends up getting the best of her by knocking her out with a chokehold. Sin then wakes up in a hospital to her father, who promises to get her help, but actually ends up rerouting her to Arkham Asylum. And then she has a new obsession with nobody else but the clown prince of crime, the Joker. That right there, Constance Brand has a few more appearances. She does, I will tell you this, she does end up eventually becoming an ally to Harley. However, I'm not going to tell you how, and I also don't want to spoil how her whole obsession with the Joker goes. Um, I'm poorly, I would assume. Not great. Doesn't go well. <laughs> uh, yeah, not, not not a really great arc for her. But there you go. That's Harley Sin. Pretty intense character arc, albeit brief. So Yeah, yeah. and if you go look up her, her photos, uh, yeah, new. Yeah, if you look up her images, it speaks for itself. She is pretty off the rails as far as it goes. But she has much more of an obsessive nature um, that we haven't really seen in, like, the Harley character after she sort of breaks the mold with the Joker. So it's, like, kind of not exactly a rebranding, but they create a new character that's kind of all of the worst parts of Harley and just, like, release her into the world. Um, which I think is kind of like a really interesting concept. So yeah, there, so, it's Harley Sin. Harry, got any notes on uh, Harley Sin? Woof. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There, there we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. Uh, <laughs> I, God. Um, Especially with the obsessive nature. I feel like there's there's something to sort of talk about there. Yeah, yeah. So, my first inclination is to, and this is uh, this is the first time I'm I'm hearing about uh, Harley Swin. There's Sin Swin. Woo, Sin. Mm. <laughs> Close enough. Harley Swing. Um, <laughs> uh, my first inclination is to say borderline personality disorder. Uh, the key with that being. Um, unstable social relationships mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of like a really broad sort of blanket uh diagnosis at least for for her um because i feel like there are probably a, a bunch of other disorders that she has qualifying factors for or um you know she meets the diagnostic criteria uh but off the bat i would say borderline personality disorder they um it's it's really difficult to maintain uh, stable interpersonal relationships uh, with that personality disorder. Um, mm-hmm. And there is that sort of element of uh, impulsivity and like a, a obsession uh, with other people due to uh, lack of stability within their own character. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sort of classify her. I like that. Well, I don't like it, but, you know, it's interesting <laughs> to learn a little bit more about the, the mental goings-ons of Miss Sin. Yeah, border, borderline is, is one of those... Borderline is difficult. It's difficult. Um, I think there's a certain element of uh, unpredictability uh, that comes with it, and... I, I, I can't stress it enough, the uh, the instability in, in, in relationships, mm-hmm. um, which I think was sort of uh, key in, in, in her storyline. Um, you know, even with her, with her parents, that was honestly what was uh, the most jarring for me. And uh, I think with borderline personality disorder, it's, it's really one of those things that parents uh, do not know what to do. Yep. For, for good reason, because, you know, it's seemingly entirely erratic, sometimes violent behavior. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I feel like so, I feel like somebody in a board meeting was like, all right, Harley Quinn is being more of an antihero good person. We need her polar opposite. Uh, and I'd like to imagine somebody went. Right, polar opposite. No, take Harley Quinn and turn her up to twenty. Yeah, yeah that's who that's who Sin is. Because exactly. like, oh, yeah. I was gonna say she doesn't seem like a like a polar opposite. I wouldn't diagnose her with same with personality disorder. Right. Right, because she's not like as attention seeking, and she's not at least from what you just said delusional about. Uh, her interpersonal relationships and, and the level of their intensity. She does suffer from hallucinations, just like Harley. But at the same time, it's not—it's not—it's not categorically the same as Harley. So she is enough of a different character, and that's yeah. why I kind of wanted to like lump her into this episode because she's enough of a nod to Harley Quinn that we felt she warranted being talked about, and sort of that brings us to 
our next sort of segue where we're going to kind of introduce two characters. Um, one of them is Harley Quinn. Um, not much has changed about her um, other than how this sort of arc goes. So we're going to talk about Harleen Quinzel, and we're also going to talk about a woman named Marion Drews. So, and they're sort of... How they connect to the Quinn identity. Yeah, and they're sort of connecting sort of motifs there. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is actually... Normally I would tell you, like, the Earth name or whatever. This is more like an Elseworlds story, and not a whole lot of those get universe designations. Mm -hmm. I know DC tries to be, you know, better than Marvel and actually numerically designate some of these... They forgot with this one. Anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> this is from the White Knight storylines. Currently, there are three books in this whole little universe kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. I would like to say it's kind of like paying homage to Batman Dark Knight Returns, but not as gritty. Harley... So obviously, you have Harley Quinn, right? You got Joker, Batman, uh, you got everybody. Joker in this story is not really a spoiler. It's the whole premise of this. He becomes sane. Yeah. Right. So he is forced to take these pills uh, by Batman. And he shoved them down his throat. He didn't make them. Joker had them, and he's like, oh, you know, you want me to be sane? I gotta take these." So he shoved basically the whole bottle down his throat. So he goes back to being who he was before, Jack Napier. Wait, I'm so, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Zach. Uh, can I just say one thing? If there was a magic pill to, quote, make somebody sane, I, I wouldn't have a job. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Joke's not gone, but... Another, another really hot take. Uh, there's not a magical pill that you can take that will absolve you of your mental illness. I... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just want to like throw that out as a disclaimer um medication is a very very difficult thing to navigate um and it's it's never something that's easy most people um take years to find uh, a medicinal combination that that works for them everybody's chemical composition is entirely different it's um unfortunately a trial and error process in terms of, uh, you know, what your doctor is prescribing to you. Uh, and also then when you start taking a medication and it seems to be treating, you know, the majority of your symptoms, it could give you a whole host of new, uh, you know, physical or psychological symptoms that you then have to treat. So in uh, short story made long, there's no one magic pill. Yep. <laughs> like that, short story made long. You're right. Back to the world of comic books where these pills do exist. Uh, <laughs> He, he goes home, right, and he's being sane. Jack proposes to Harley Quinn. She laughs in his face, like, no, you're being crazy. This isn't who you are. You're not lovey-dovey. Put your makeup back on. Let's go. Let's go rob a bank, right? And this is, you know, who we, we have gotten used to, the outfit of a New 52 Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. She then gets a boot to the face, right? And this is, from my perspective, reading this, I'm like, damn, like, holy shit, who is this person? Yeah, what's that? She, yeah, and then she's like, and then the other person says, sweetie, he wasn't talking to you, he was talking to me. And then, the you know, when you see that panel, it's Harley Quinn 
classic gesture, court jester, black and red outfit, right? With the hyenas. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm reading this in my own house, and I, sh- I swear, I shout, "What?" Yep. I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute! There is two of them." Yeah, we so all kind Harley. Of yeah, so I'm gonna refer to them as Harleen and Marion, right? So Harleen takes Jack. They get married, right? She's like, "Listen, bye, Marion. Deuces. We don't need you anymore, right? Because I." I don't know really fully in this universe. I guess maybe Har Har you know Harleen also she recognized how obsessive she was being with Joker, right? So that she left to find herself basically to to take care of her, and that's when Marion snuck into his life after he robbed the bank that she was working at. Uh, yes, she was a teller there, right? Yeah, so she has her own hosts of issues before even meeting the Joker and she snuck into Joker's life and Joker never bat an eye. He's just like, oh, she changed her outfit. That's it. Yeah, he sort of represses the memory of Harleen and substitutes it for Marion. Right, like, oh, she just changed her outfit. That's it. It's like, no, you're a whole different person. Yeah. So she and Joker and Jack, I can't call him Joker, and Jack get married, right, they actually be, try to become heroes for the 99% of Gotham. Mm-hmm. While Batman is still being Batman. But also, in a way, losing his own mental stability because he doesn't have his quote-unquote opposite anymore, right? So, Jack and Harleen want to, in a way, vilify Batman, being like, look at what he's done. On all the houses that get messed up from our battles, the 1% Buy the house, fix them, then sell them and make a profit. You know, he also helps the Gotham police become the GTO. Basically, uh, a better police force with Nightwing and Batgirl. Yeah. They, they, at the end of the story, they actually get Batmobiles, which is dope. <laughs> and But then, unfortunately, Jack becomes the Joker again. Because, Sarah, as you said, there is no cure-all. Like, there is no magic pill. It was a temporary fix. And Harleen was actually the one who concocted the pills. And, you know, she knew that once they run out, that's it. I can't get Jack back. Yeah. So, thankfully, and this is my opinion, thankfully, to the couple actually now have kids, uh, Jackie and Bryce. Which is very funny for me when reading this to see her with her babies. Yeah. And her hyenas. Because some people, like, she's like, oh, yeah, somebody needs to take care of my babies. And then they're like, oh, I can watch the little rascals. And she's like, oh, no, these are my children. My ba- my Those are my babies. And she's referring to the hyenas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay. But Marion, throughout all this, she's like, there has to be a Joker. She can't take him from me. I'm going to become Neo-Joker, new Joker, but I'm temporary for when the real Joker comes back. So she is obsessed with the Joker. Yep. So we have another obsession sort of groundwork laid out, except, you know, once more again for the charismatic clown prince of crime. Talk about his attention-seeking and histrionic personality disorder. What Oof. more do you have to do than adopt a fucking hyena as a pet? Yeah, for real. <laughs> Not one, two. Yeah. <laughs> two. 
And then she's got, it's very cute to see them though with the babies. It's very funny to see them being like, it's like, oh, they're just spotted dogs. Yep. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> At least for them. Spotted yeah. dogs, like, you know, there exists one magic pill to cure all mental illnesses. <laughs> yeah. As hyenas are spotted dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not reading comic books for to for real life shit, all right? We're trying to you know, to escape. <laughs> hey, this is what you call me in here for. <laughs> I know. Obviously, even in White Knight, there's a everybody's got their own stuff. I think I think in this in this case, Marion is in a way for this universe to stand in for the main universe, Harleen Quinzel, right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, she kind of steps up to that mantle and sort of takes it over in somewhat of a sense. Um, sorry about the background noise. Looks like Harley's actually making an appearance here. But, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird sort of passing of the torch in a way. That's not a torch that should be passed. Yeah, not at all. It, it, passing of a insanity or a hyena's dog collar i guess (laughs) (laughs) well there's also something to be said about just um being enveloped and consumed in an environment uh that is abnormal i would say is somewhat similar to like i guess you could compare it to like a cult or like a religious zealot to where like this one person, this sort of famed ideology is resulting in a following in people following that person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think I like, I would go so far as to call it a phenomenon to where like somebody sort of rise to power or I don't know, this accumulation of resources that allows them to do things you know, like commit crimes and get away with them. You know, when that starts happening, people flock. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of that's how that we get to see sort of a lot of that at the end of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker when he's sort of on top of the car and finally dons the smile and everything like that. It's sort of, yeah, a call to action for criminals in a way. Yeah, it's a good way to talk about it. But there you go. There you have it. That is Harley Quinn and the many mental mental sort of facets that involve her and the Joker and Marion and Harley Sin. So I know we threw a lot of you guys, so we're going to make sure that we get into the reader recommendations here. We'll start off with Marion and Harleen, uh, both of which you can find in the White Knight storyline or the Curse of the White Knight. Um, those are pretty, that's the only place you're going to find them. Um, they don't have any other appearances. They are exclusively the White Knight Harleys, basically. When you're talking about Harley Sin, as far as recommendations, she shows up in Harley Quinn and her Gang of Harleys, Harley Quinn Volume 2, Number 16, Harley Quinn Volume 3, Number 14, 17, 21, 22, 32, and 41. Um, like I said, she kind of ends up sort of showing up every now and then. Um, for the Gang of Harleys, once again, pretty cut and dry. You're only going to find them in Harley Quinn and her Gang of Harleys issues. Um, as far as Harley Quinn herself, she is all over the place. Not only does she have little cameos with the Joker, um, she has her own standalone series. So you're going to find her in Suicide Squad, Volume 4 most specifically. 
Um, you're going to find her in her standalone in Harley Quinn Volume 2. You're also going to find her in Heroes in Crisis 1 through 6. She also has her another little solo series, Harley's Little Black Book 1 and 2, and Harley Quinn's Valentine's Day Special. Well, there you go. That's just to name a few. I'm sure there's a ton more. Oh, there's, but... a, there's a ton more. Those are the biggest sort of ones of note. Like I said, she's she's one of those encompassing characters that she was written in after her significance and her being liked so much in the animated series of Batman. So, there you go. Yeah, this so Sarah, thank you for joining us for this. Yeah. Um, if we have another person who should be looked at psychologically, we'll give you a ring because I know I couldn't do anybody justice with that. Sure, we got plenty of other people that we could sort of apply this practice to. And you know, before we uh, sort of cut things off here. At the beginning of the episode, we included a trigger warning, and I know we just threw a lot of information at you guys, but this is the last thing, I promise. We wanted to include um, some resources for people to get help, um, sort of in tandem with May being Mental Illness Month, as well as what we just talked about. So, uh, Sarah, take it away. Yeah. So, I think it's really important to mention that uh, forms of abuse aren't always this overt. Obviously, not everybody's story is going to align with this extreme level of emotional manipulation and abuse and physical abuse. But, you know, I still have to just mention that abuse looks like a lot of different things a lot of different times. And so whether that's, you know, emotional coercion or physical abuse Um, You can reach out to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and the number for that is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. It's 100% confidential, and that telephone line is open 24-7. So if you or someone you know is experiencing any sort of domestic violence be that physical or emotional uh feel free to call that hotline at any time so there we go so thank you all for joining us for our incredibly encompassing episode of harley quinn and her vastly interesting and clinically fun to talk about mental facets that was a really good way of saying that chris thanks man Join us next week for another comic book character.